let's take our Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 mentioned we're going to be uh, slowing down a little bit here in the book of Galatians. We just have this, whoa, just have this final chapter here. Um, covered one verse last week. And then this week we'll cover three verses, and then next week we'll cover one verse again. And uh, we'll just kind of keep making our way through this final chapter. I would think we're probably going to finish this series uh, by the end of August, most likely. Of course, not having next week. Um, but uh, seeking the Lord's leadership. I feel like he's leading a certain way for our midweek Bible study. And so um, if you'll just continue praying for God's leadership, I'd sure appreciate that. Once you've found your place in Galatians chapter 6, if you'll stand in honor of God's word, we'll read our text together. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1 again because it kind of plays into uh, what we're talking about tonight. So let's just read verses 1 through verse 5. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now, as we read that, there are a few things that seem a little bit confusing. First of all, uh, verse 4. <laughs> That's what the majority of the study time was on, was figuring out what does verse 4 mean. But you also notice the difference between verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and then verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. And so there's a little bit of different things at, at work here that might appear to be confusing, but I believe by the end of it we'll go away with a clear understanding of what God wants us to get tonight. The title of our message is Burden Bearing Believers. So may God bless reading his word. You can be seated. We'll consider that tonight. Whenever you go to a new country, you've got a responsibility to abide by the laws of that land. Now, you may be from the United States of America, but if you go to Mexico, they don't have all the liberties that we have. If you go to Russia, they certainly don't have all the liberties that we have. And so you can't go to another country and just expect you can open carry, right? That's not going to fly very well. Uh, you can't just uh, take whatever you want into another country either. You've probably heard the name Brittany Griner recently, a famous women's basketball player for the Phoenix Mercury and a strong hater of the United States of America over the last couple of years has openly expressed her displeasure with our country. Well, before the war broke out in Russia, she decided to go and take a journey into Russia. Not really sure why, but she went. And then what happened is in customs, they opened her bag and they found a bottle of cannabis oil, which is perfectly legal in Arizona. It's perfectly legal, but it's not in Russia. <laughs> And so they ended up confiscating it. They arrested her, and she's being charged with illegal drug smuggling and is now facing up to 10 years in prison. Now, as you can imagine, there's an outcry from here in the United States of America that we're not doing anything 
to help her. And that if this was, you know, you even have the extreme crowd that would say, if, if this was a white male who was straight, then something would have been done about it already. And so they start playing the race card and the hate card and all this. That that's why she's still there. But the reality of the matter is she went to a different country with an illegal substance that was against the law. And there are consequences to that. Russia is not holding to American laws. If you took weed over there, you would be arrested as well. If you took guns over there, you would be arrested as well. And so whenever you decide, I'm going to leave one country, my country, and I'm going to go to a new country, you've got to understand that that old law is behind you and you've got to follow the new law. Well, the Apostle Paul here in the book of Galatians has essentially been showing us that when you believe the gospel and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a citizen of an entirely new kingdom. And what that means is that the Old Testament law that was once your ruler and your governor has passed away. It's no longer over you. But just because you're no longer under the Old Testament law doesn't mean that you're lawless. It doesn't mean that you can just go live however you want. Now that I have Jesus, I can just go and live lawlessly out there, living after the flesh, doing whatever I want. No, there's a new law that must be followed. But it's not a law by which you obtain righteousness. It's a law that flows out of a person who has been made righteous by Jesus Christ and is walking in the spirit. And the Apostle Paul calls it the law of Christ, the law of Christ. You might be wondering, what exactly is the law of Christ? Is it the, the overall body of teaching that Jesus gave? Is it what he told his disciples after his resurrection prior to his ascension and what they now perpetuate to us through the New Testament letters? Is that what the law of Christ is? Well, when it comes to figuring out what the law of Christ is, we don't have to look much further than the context of this particular book. Because if you were to look back with me, at chapter 5 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul said this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. You're not under that law anymore. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. He says in verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let me read a few more verses to you. This is in John chapter 13 and verse 34, the words of Jesus himself. A new commandment. What does that sound like? A new law. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Later in John 15, 12, he said this, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Well, the Apostle John, who wrote that gospel, also goes on to write in his first letter, 1 John 3, verse 23, he says this, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. One more verse, 1 John 4, 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The law of Christ is this, to love the brethren as Christ has loved us. That is the law of Christ. And so what this teaches us is that the disciples had a very firm grasp as to what the 
the law of Christ was because they communicated it in their letters, whether we're talking about John or if we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. He tells them that their responsibility is to fulfill the law of Christ. Now, here's the question. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? How do we fulfill this new commandment, practically speaking, to love one another as Christ has loved us? The Apostle Paul says this in verse number two, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But see, what, what this is communicating to us is this, that the church body has the responsibility from Jesus Christ to bear each other's burdens. First of all, that indicates this, that every one of us are going to face burdens in our life that are greater than we can bear. They're too big for us, too heavy for us. This particular word translated burdens here is a word that means overbearing loads. It's a word that's used in the shipping industry, the marine industry, that when they loaded up a ship with the cargo, if they saw that the, the ship had begun to weigh down inside and that there's potential if they get out on the waves that the waves are going to overflow this ship and the cargo is going to be lost, they would use this particular word, bare, bare, overbearing loads, loads that are too heavy, loads that are impossible for somebody to carry. Now this word bear, when he says bear ye one another's burdens, it means to lift up. It means to carry. It means to remove. Now, it's written in a tense that's, that, that's reflected in the emphasis here where it says, bear ye one another's burdens. Now, ye is the plural form of you. And so what this means is he's talking to all the churches of Galatia and all the members of the different churches of Galatia. And he says this, bear ye. <laughs> it's your responsibility to bear the burdens, to carry them, to to lift them up, to take the weight off your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. It's also written in a tense that means it's not like you come to a brother and you just say, oh, let me lift this burden off you. All right, now the job's done and I can go on. It's written in a way that means this. You're to be in a continual place of lifting one another's burdens. That if you're able to lift a burden in this person's life, you ought to go to another person's life and try to lift a burden in them and then go on to another person. That's the idea here. You're to continually bear one another's burdens. Now, that's what Paul is saying here, that the church collectively has a responsibility not to allow a brother or sister in Christ to sink under the weight of that burden, to lift them up and to collaboratively share in bearing these burdens. Now, what specific burdens is the Apostle Paul talking about here? Well, in the immediate context, it goes back to verse number one, where he talks about how if a man is overtaken in a fault, and you remember from last week, this would be talking about a man who ended up surprised in sin. It's something he never saw himself doing, never saw himself caught up again, never saw himself getting addicted to and committing this sin. That when he's caught off guard by this sin, that the, the, the people in the church who's, who are walking in the Holy Spirit, the spiritual brothers, they're to take it upon themselves to restore this man to usefulness to God. And so, when, in other words, what, what Paul is saying here, in particular in the immediate context, is don't let your brother sink in sin. 
Don't let him be so weighed down by the sin that it dominates and destroys his life. No, you need to help bear that burden. You need to come alongside him. Maybe you need to confront him. Or if he uh, bears this sin to you and, and confesses it, then you need to pray for him. You need to counsel him. You need to come around him and try to get him back in a place to, to be used by God. That's how you bear the burdens of somebody who's caught up in sin. But there, the burdens of life go much further than sin, though. They could be financial burdens. As somebody falls on hard times, or maybe they end up in a health crisis that keeps them from being able to work, and now they don't know where their income is going to come from. They don't know how they're going to be able to pay their rent, how they're going to put food on the table. And so then that, that can be a huge burden for them to shoulder because it's completely out of their control. And what God is saying is it's not his plan for those individuals that are stuck in this situation to bear the weight of that on their own. It's too much for them. And so what they need is for their church family to come alongside them and to help them, maybe to provide them with some meals, maybe to, to uh, provide them, give them a ride somewhere to a doctor's appointment, even if it's in far south Denver, like Parker Centennial or something like that. Maybe to put gas in their car. Maybe to take care of a month's rent if somebody has the means to do that in Boulder. Uh, but, but you're looking at and that's what we're talking about is that, that somebody is, is weighed down by this. It's all they can think about. What am I going to do financially? What's my future going to look like? Am I going to get through this cancer? Am I going to make it out of this hospital bed? Those are heavy burdens, and it's not meant that they should bear them alone. The church is to come in and to help them bear that. It could be the burden that comes with single parenting. I mean, there's a lot of single parents here in our city, and God willing, some of them over the course of time are going to end up in this very church. There are ladies who are coming out of an abusive relationship, and they come and they find refuge in Jesus Christ, and they'll be a part of the church, but now they're having to raise this uh, teenage son on their own because their husband it, it was so abusive and ended up in jail, or just she ended up leaving him behind, and now she's raising him all by herself. Or there might be a a husband whose wife went off the deep end and forsook the family and forsook the church and, and decided to just walk away from God. And now you've got a man who had a full-time job where he was already working 50 hours a week plus his commute time back and forth. And now he's got two or three little kids that, that, that have school and they've got sports practice and, and they've got uh, th their, their homework that they're dealing with. And so now they're having to work through life and adjust and figure out how in the world am I going to work and get my kids to school? There might be times they need a babysitter. There might be times that you see their kids uh, walking around and, and their toes are sticking out of their shoes and their clothes have holes in them. And, and you can tell that they just can't, they're, they're poor, they're broke. Mom's struggling to even put food on the table and life is just hard for them. And this is heavy and it's weighty and it's bearing down. And it's something that, that a young single mother should not have to bear on her own. It's something God did not design a mother or a father to bear on their own. He designed them to work in tandem together. But yet now they find themselves in this heavy, weighty, burdensome life. You know what they need? They need a church family to step in for them. They need, they need some man to come into their son's life who's never had a father figure and show them what it looks like to be a godly man. To, to what it means to be manly, what it means to take care of his mom, what it means to love God and to love his word and to have a devotional relationship with God and just to 
spend time with them and take them out mini golfing or playing basketball or to the skate park or whatever that might be. But to have a man step up in his life and be a father figure to him, that's what that single mom needs. And that's something that a church family can provide. Or maybe there's somebody of, of means who would be able to put food on their table for a while. Or somebody who would be able to uh, fix their car when it breaks down and they can't afford to take it to the shop. Or maybe they have the means to be able to pay for it to go and be worked on in the shop. I'm just saying that, that, that when it comes to single parenting, there are all kinds of difficult things that those parents have to go through. And that's a burden on them. They want to care for their kid. They don't like it that their kid goes around with their big toe sticking out of their shoe. But all they're trying to do is figure out how they're going to get a meal on the table the next day. God gives them a church family to come in and to, to lift that burden, to help care for them and love on them and pray for them, but also to meet their physical needs. It could be a, a burden of, of suffering a, a severe, grievous loss in their lives. That somebody has a miscarriage or loses a child in a car accident or somebody loses their spouse. Those are very severely grievous burdens to be borne. The kind that take years to get over. And they can feel so alone because the person they've been living with for, for 40 years or 50 or 60 years is now all of a sudden gone. And they feel like they're on an island to themselves or this child that they were dreaming of their future. And now all of a sudden it's all gone and erased like that family down the street for us from, from us. Now all of a sudden they're living without their three-year-old and they feel like they're all alone. That's when in the lives of believers, a church family can step in and they can love on them and wrap their arms around them and go and visit with them so they're not alone all the time and take them out to dinner or invite them over for lunch or, or to just maybe drop some meals off so they don't have to think about cooking and preparing and all those things. They're going to go through, like we talked about on Sunday night, they're going to go through that time of grief. But a church family is to be there to help them through it, to try to lift that burden, to lighten the load uh, in their lives. It's also important to understand that Paul is addressing several churches here. Several churches. Churches that were in a close proximity. And he's also speaking to those churches and he's saying, Y'all need to bear each other's burdens here in your different churches. That it's possible that, that each church, they, of course, they've got the burden of trying to reach their city for Christ and the burden of training disciples to send them out as missionaries to other places and, and, and to be able to disciple people. And so they're, they're dealing with all of this and trying to do the best that they possibly can. Or it might be that, that they, they need help with missionary work or with evangelism or, or to help build a church when they're running short on money. He says you need to bear one another's burdens. Hey, listen, I'm thankful that we have churches that support this ministry on a monthly basis. They help take care of our rent. They help take care of our, our, our bills. In fact, there's about 69 of those churches that support us on a monthly basis. They take care of your pastor so that he and his family can give full attention to the ministry without the burden and the weight of secular work and be able to disciple people and try to reach people for Christ and meet with somebody every single week to try to share the gospel with them and to go on hospital visits and to go and help 
put beds together at people's houses, that, that, that we get to do that because there are churches collaborating with us right now. There are churches who pray for us on a monthly basis or maybe even a weekly basis. I get phone calls and texts and cards in the mail all the time where people are like, hey, praying for you, brother. I'm praying for so-and-so. I'm praying for so-and-so for God to save them, for God to work in their life. And so they're helping bear that burden. We've had churches from uh, all over the country who have even come to help us evangelize when our numbers were so few. We've had many churches from close proximity here from Longmont and Windsor and Fort Collins and, and the Denver metro area that came and they helped us. And some pastors from churches in Lafayette and Thornton and Broomfield that came over and just a group of pastors went out and, and invited people to come to church. I'm thankful that we've seen them help us uh, bear those burdens. People have sent us one-time offerings where we could purchase Bibles and discipleship material and sound equipment and live stream equipment and, and uh, send mail outs. How many of you ended up coming to church was because other churches collaborated with us and worked together with us. We had churches send us over $30,000 to distribute to wildfire relief efforts. And so we were able to help some of our own uh, to lighten that load and to lift that burden and help them get restarted, but also to minister to the lost in our area who didn't have a church family to care for them, that we were able to come in and give them the gospel and to help them get restarted in our community as well. You see, I'm thankful that We've been blessed by churches who have borne our burdens with us. And as we grow, it's our responsibility to go and bear the burdens of others, to support people like the Shives and like the Lassiters, to be able to have families like the Hendricks and the Padillas in and to support them on a monthly basis and to send them away with a, an offering for their startup costs and to ship their big, massive, expensive container all the way over to England. That's going to cost a pretty penny. As a church, we can lighten that load on them. We can bear that burden with them. And, and, and so we are, to, we are to do that for each other, not just within our own church, but for the cause of Christ and other local churches as well. And what we find is when we are actively bearing one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. He says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill in this way, in this manner, after this fashion, you fulfill the law of Christ. You love others as Christ loved us selflessly, sacrificially. But the problem is we don't always practice what Paul is preaching, do we? No, what Paul does in the verses that follow is he really warns against having too high of a view of yourself that you don't help in this matter of bearing one another's burdens. Look what he says in verse number three. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. What, what is this talking about? Well, let me put it this way. He's acknowledging that there's this propensity in this burden bearing ministry to think that you don't need to help. That there can, you can come to a place in your life where you say, I got my own problems. <laughs> or, or you can say, you know what, uh, those people can help them out. They don't work the kind of hours I work. Their job isn't as stressful as my job is. 
Uh, they don't have the bills that I have. They don't have the kids to come home to that I have to come home to. And so I'll, I'll let them go and help in this burden bearing stuff. But I'm going to stay back here. I'm going to take care of my own needs. You know what that is? Thinking you are something different. It's thinking that you're something that you're somebody that is either above this or maybe even beneath this. But basically saying that because of my situation and because of my own burdens that I have myself, that I don't need to go and give my time and my resources to reaching so-and-so's burden because I've got my own. In fact, I could use the help of other people here. He says, he says when you think, when you think yourself to be something when you're really nothing, when you think your situation is different, when if you take a step back, you realize they're the same, you're both in need of help, <laughs> but you think that I'm different. Look what he says. He deceiveth himself. Interesting word here, deceiveth. It's a word that contains this word that might sound familiar. Phrenia. Phrenia. What does that sound like? Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. You know what that means? To be split-minded. Schizophrenia. There's a schism and a phrenia. Phrenia would be of the mind. The skits would be the, the schism. It would be the, the splitness. And so they're this way one moment and they're this way another moment. That's the word schizophrenia. Now this particular word deceiveth isn't schizophrenia, but when you consider in our English word phrenia, it comes from the original Greek word and we use it to communicate this, a mental disorder, mental dysfunction. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is when you think that you are of or when you are of the persuasion that you don't need to help because of your own problems, you have a mental disorder. And your mental disorder is this, the deceived mind. That's what it literally means. Your mind is deceived here. You're not thinking right. Your thinking is dysfunctional here. Because you're thinking that what you're doing is you're prioritizing yourself. You're making yourself to be better or higher than somebody else. But what, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that's not how it ought to be. In fact, he says in verse number four, here's what you need to do. But let every man prove his own work. The word prove means to test. It means to examine or to scrutinize. And so he's saying, here's what you need to do. You need to look at your own introspectively. You need to look at your own actions. Consider your actions right now. When you're thinking, I don't need to help, I can skirt my responsibility here and I can let other people bear this burden because I've got my own problems over here because my situation deems me unable to help uh, bear, bear this burden. When you're thinking that way, you need to consider those actions. You're withholding of resources. You're withholding of time from somebody else in need. You're withdrawing from a situation when somebody needs you to step in. You need to consider your actions here and you need to scrutinize them. What do you need to scrutinize them against? The law of Christ. Are your actions reflective of the law of Christ? Are you loving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ the way that Christ selflessly and sacrificially loved you? 
Is that what you're doing? And he says, if you are, he says, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. What he's talking about here is comparison. Right now you're looking at their situation and you're saying, no, I don't need to help because their situation isn't as bad as mine. Or, no, my situation is pretty bad and these other people are okay, so I'm going to let them bear this burden. When you are looking for a way to escape, he says here, that's not the law of Christ. But when you consider your actions, if you are actively going and bearing one another's burdens and you are fulfilling the law of Christ, then you have reason to rejoice. What's this talking about? Well, consider what Jesus taught his disciples. They were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> who's going to sit at the right hand? Who's going to sit at the left hand? And that was going to be a reason of rejoicing in their lives. And, he, and, and then you can even, I, I think as we saw maybe a couple Sunday mornings ago, or maybe, no, it's in a couple of weeks. That's the thing, when you're a little bit ahead of preaching, you, your messages run together. It's in a couple of weeks. We're going to see that Jesus sends out more of his disciples, 70 disciples, and they go out healing and casting out demons. They come back to Jesus, and they're rejoicing in that. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. He says, you don't have anything to rejoice in here. It's not about power. It's not about prestige. True greatness in my kingdom is those who are going to humble themselves and serve one another and wash one another's feet as Jesus did to his disciples. And so you know what he's saying here? There's no reason to rejoice if you're not fulfilling the law of Christ. But if you examine if you scrutinize your actions and compare them to the law of Christ, then you're not going to find your rejoicing in what's going on in other people's lives. You're going to find your rejoicing in the fact that you are living in line with the law of Jesus Christ. You're going to rejoice in himself alone. There's the emphasis. You'll be satisfied with your actions within yourself if you're living according to the law of Christ as opposed to living according to other people's situations. And then he says this, for every man shall bear his own burden. Now, wait a second here. I thought we were supposed to bear one another's burdens. Why is Paul all of a sudden now saying that you're going to have to bear your own burden? What does this mean here? Well, there are two different words at work here in the original language. And so I'm going to have Yvonne and, and Noah come and help me illustrate uh, what we're talking about here. So let me grab a couple things real quick. Noah, you can stand right here on the left side or right side, whichever way you're looking. Yvonne, you're on the other side, okay? So I'm just going to set this right here, and I'll put this right here. Now, the first word, bare, bear ye one another's burdens. What did, what did we say that that is? an overbearing weight, one that sinks the ship, right? Okay, so I want you to pick that suitcase up and I want you to put it on your back. Almost there. Don't break my suitcase. No, come on, bear it, brother. I got too much going on over here. You got to take care of that yourself. I had surgery. <laughs> I don't want to get a hernia. I've got some incisions over here, so I'm sorry, man. You're going to have to. There you go. See, he's all right, right? Not really. <laughs> this is the word, bare. 
It's really too much. You can put it down. I don't want you to break your back or something. It's full of hymn books. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's the word bare. Okay. This, on the other hand, is the Greek word fortune. Fortune. Go ahead and put that on. <laughs> the fortune is a word when it comes to shipping. It's the one that would be a cargo that is uh, in accordance to the ship. It's one that's a suitable weight. And so it's able to carry this. It's also used in the military world to refer to an individual's backpack. Okay? That's the idea here. And so what he says is you need to bear each other's bare, heavy, weighty burdens that you can't do by yourself. And then at the end he says, for every man is going to have to bear his fortune, his backpack. Okay? He doesn't need my help to carry this empty backpack, right? Now, let me show you what, how this is at work. Let me take this off, okay? So what happens is Brother Yvonne in the church, Brother Yvonne is trying to lift the body. He's trying to lift this burden. It's too heavy for him. He can't handle it. Now, Brother Noah is over here and he's saying, you know what, I've got my problems. I've had my surgery. I've got financial problems myself. Um, I, I've got, I'm working two jobs. I volunteer at a church for 60 hours a week or two churches for 60 hours a week. And then I door dash the nights away. And I'm trying to go to college here in a few weeks. And I want to get married eventually. And I have no money for that. And so, you know what? I've got my own stuff. I've, I've got my own fortune over here to deal with. And so I can't. I can't come and, and help you. That's what he's talking about here. A man thinks higher of himself when really he's got problems and he's got problems. And God's plan is for this man to come and help bear this man's burden. But what he's saying is this. The the fortune. OK, let me let me let me give you a quote here. This will clear it up. John Stott said this. We are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone. But there is one burden which can't, we cannot share. Indeed, do not need to because it is a pack light enough for every man to carry himself. And that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack and I cannot carry yours. What he's saying is this. Let me see your, your fortune. What he's saying is this. The manageable bag that God has given us is not an Old Testament law full of line after line and precept on precept. It's not a whole list of rules and regulations. It's not a whole bunch of dietary laws and a whole bunch of holy days and a whole bunch of feasts that you have to keep. It's not circumcision. It's not this whole laundry list. In fact, if we stick with the context of Galatians, he considers the Old Testament law to be bare. The Judaizers to be weighing people down with the Old Testament law. And he says, there's a new law for you to follow. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Light. 
Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you, love ye one another. The manageable pack, the burden, the light burden, the suitable burden that God has given us is to help him bear his burden. And he says that one day, you and only you are going to have to carry that burden and stand before God and give an account of how you helped your brothers bear their burdens. And so to summarize all this, here's what he's saying. If you're going to fulfill the law of Christ, you need to bear each other's burdens here. And don't think that your problems are bigger than somebody else's. Because the only problem that you have, I won't even call it a problem, the only load that you have to carry is to help your brothers, to love them as Christ has loved you. And if you don't do that, you're going to bear that burden before the judgment seat of God. It doesn't mean he's going to cast you into hell. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. But there, there will be an accounting. And you want to be able to come to God bearing that bag boldly and courageously and saying, I did my best. I was not perfect, but by your grace, I helped bear my brother's burdens. I helped bear my sister's burdens. I helped love them. I cared for them in their time of grief. I helped them. You remember Jesus said, if you give, I can't remember exactly what it is. This has just come to my mind. But if you give them to drink, if you give them meat, if you give them clothes, you've done it unto me. He's saying when you care for them, it's like you're caring for Christ. Why? Because he cares for them the way that he cares for you. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So here's what it means, church. The way that we fulfill the law of Christ is by selflessly bearing one another's burdens. Thank you, guys. You can go sit down. You can just leave that there. So what does this text teach us today? Well, it teaches us this, first of all, that even though we are Christians, we are going to face burdens that are too heavy for us to bear. We're going to. And that is why you need a church family. Because there are going to come times in your life where you're going to be trying to carry this weight on your own. And you're going to put it up on your shoulders and on your back and you're going to sink. You're going to cave under it. But that's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life isn't to bear that weight on your own. God's plan for your life isn't to just bounce from church to church to church to church your entire life. No, he wants you to attach yourself and join yourself to be a member of a specific local church a local church. Now, see, the reality is his plan for you is to have a local church family and one where Christ is the husband and you're part of the bride. That's how the Bible speaks in terms of the church. Christ is the husband, the church is his bride. Now, I don't know what you think, but if my wife, if her hands were in Decono and her feet were in Longmont, and her nose was in Fort Collins, and uh, her legs were in Thornton, and just her head was here, I wouldn't have much of a wife left, would I? 
See, the scripture often speaks of the church in terms of a body, a body. And that the members of the church are different parts of that body that have different functionalities in that body. You know what isn't going on right now? I have one arm here and my other arm is on my dad and my nose is on Noah and my foot is on Brother Dale. That's not what's going on, right? That's not an accurate portrayal of what a body is supposed to be. It's all supposed to be attached and part of one body of Christ, okay? Let me, let me put it this way. My finger can't... <laughs> I don't want get, to get a hernia here. My finger can't lift this by itself. But you know what happens? When all my fingers are working and both my hands and both my arms and my legs and my back. It's not so hard, is it? Well, listen, when you're not a part of one of God's churches, I'm talking about an attached member. You're trying to lift your burdens with a finger. You're trying to do it all on your own. But what God has done is he's given you a church family to step in, and when everybody works together to help you bear those burdens, it makes it where it's not so heavy. It makes it where you don't end up sinking, where you don't end up caving under the weight of those burdens. And so according to this particular text, God wants you to be a member of a church so he can use a spirit-filled, loving, selfless church to help you bear the heavy burdens in your life. Now, some people are pretty private. They don't like sharing their past. They don't like uh, sharing their struggles, their financial problems. But listen, when you bottle it all up inside, you're only serving to harm yourself in your own spiritual life. And so I challenge you tonight to be a part of a church, to join yourself so that it can become a church family that can step in in your times of need and help you carry those burdens so you'll stay faithful to God and so you can continue to see his grace work through his church to help you bear it. This text also teaches us as a church that we have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens and that we're not to view ourselves as incapable of bearing them or to view our problems as bigger, as more important, or as of deeper concern than anybody else's. No, our responsibility is to fulfill the law of Christ and to come alongside them and to ease that load, to bear that burden, to lift it up for them, to maybe even remove it from them so that they can move forward. We ought to be looking for ways to help others. You can see when somebody's down, when somebody's struggling. And you don't have to go and say, spill me all your beans. But you can say, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. If you need to talk, here's my number. You just shoot me a text. I'll be right there. I'll get back with you as soon as possible. And you can, you can help them. If a need comes up that you absolutely know about, then maybe you go to the pastor. You go to other people in the church and you say, hey, this came up. I didn't know if you knew about it, but I think they could use our help. And you step in and you try to ease that burden in their lives. Take that weight off their shoulders.
Well, here's the question that we're going to finish with. Why should we do that? What's our, what's our driving force within us that would lead us to pick up our pack, to carry that light individual burden and to go and help this person carry their heavy, unbearable burden? What should motivate us to do that? And can I remind you that each and every one of us had a burden that was far greater than we could bear. And that was our sin and the guilt and the shame that comes along with it and the condemnation of the wrath of God that each of us were under because of our sin. But God stepped in and God became a man and he put on his pack and he came over and he took those weights off our shoulder and he bore them on his own back as he carried that cross through the, through the streets of Jerusalem and as he went up and ascended to the hill called Golgotha and as he, as he faced the beatings and the whippings, he bore our sin, he bore our shame, he bore our unrighteousness and he bore the condemnation of God upon himself so that we could be eased. He was made sin so we could be made the righteousness of God in him. In the greatest demonstration of his love, Jesus bore our greatest weight on our behalf. And now he's calling us to go and to bear the weights of one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. All he's asking us to do is something he's already done for us. And that means this, that if you've got a burden, share it with your church. You can't be helped if you're not willing to make people aware to it. If you're dealing hard with sin, tell a godly brother who can help you with it, who can hold you accountable, who can count you from the scripture, who can pray for you and bear that burden with you and help you escape and get out from under its weight. If there's a health problem that you have, if there's financial problems that you have, I'm not saying that we can meet every single financial problem, but I am saying as a church family that we're going to do the very best that we possibly can. Why? Because that's what Christ called us to do in light of the fact that he did it for us. But you can't have your burden lifted by a brother if there are no brothers who know you have a burden. Share it. And church, when somebody shares it with us, let's take our responsibility. Let's fulfill the law of Christ by selflessly bearing one another's burdens. Father, we come to you tonight and